So this reads, if God designed us to be social beings, what does the scripture say about those who choose not to be married? Should I take the second question? At, okay, before marriage, how important is intimacy? Rather, how should you view intimacy before marriage? Yeah. Uh, so both of them are linked, I think. Um, <clears throat> so when we said, um, what if you choose not to be married and we are created for social for social interaction. Well, you know, if you, if you remember in the beginning of the talk, we showed the other, it wasn't just marriage that we were interacting with. We showed our social, our social life around work. We showed our social life with our families, our social life with, um, which one? Friends. So those will be, those will be reason, those will be other places that we express community, I can add in church as well. So the point being, it's not good when you're alone. That's, that's it. And I'm not just speaking from the Bible. A lot of um, psychological um, studies on this is showing, you know, loneliness is one of the main, is one of the main, that is a sense of loneliness and sometimes a condition. It's one of the things that drives a lot of people to suicide. So it's not good. Um, now, if, um, <coughs> How about when you are dating, right? Intimacy. Be careful, though. <laughs> That's all I'll say. So one of the things that you find in um, this book is attention, because each time when he's describing this thing, as they are moving towards, there's a refrain where she then says, don't awaken love before it's time, right, before it's ready. And so it's saying, aspire to it, want it. And that is why you should then move towards the legal union first. Okay, it's your question. That's okay. Can you can they, can you can you give her a mic, please? My question was coming from the point of view of when you were talking about um, sharing and being open. Okay. That that's the angle I'm actually looking mm. at it from. Like how much, what level of comfort do you have? Because some people say you grow. It's not everything you know. Priority should that be? What if person not saying anything and you're like, we'll get there at some uh, like, yeah. So that's, that's yeah. where the question. Oh no! So that one is a very good indicator of whether or not you should go ahead. Actually, because everything that is done in a dating relationship, anytime you say any comma, most likely in a marriage is going to be. It's going to be amplified. As you said, most times people are their best behavior, especially if it's not long. So it's important. Openness is really important. Now, of course, not everything like, the maybe I'm trying to say the person should not be, you shouldn't know that the, the person should be noted for, conceal, for concealing stuff. Whatever the person hasn't spoken about or you've not seen before marriage because you're just not married, like you're not in the, that's a separate thing. But actually, the person, we, we should want to open up because dating is also trying to figure out. I, I think the Bible will put dating and say, you should only date somebody that you are sure you think you want to marry. But within that dating relationship, it's either confirmed 
or it's, um, or it's confirmed that you should not. And so the person opening up is actually a prerequisite, I would say, for you. It's the way we judge, you know, is this person um, the kind of person I want to marry or not? But can I just add a layer to that? Yes, please. In question. That is in terms of what she's asked in terms of being vulnerable and yes. talking and all that. But how about in terms of actual sexual intimacy, mm -hmm. which is a very sticky topic? How mm -hmm. far is too far? Should yeah. you not even get close? Is it a hug, a kiss, a, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. What? Single in Lagos, clearly, but I And we have a lot of I always there. like, I always like to answer this question. You are not allowed to kiss. Simple. Not you are not allowed to kiss. I'll get there. <laughs> because there are different types of hugs. <laughs> uh, there's brother a hug, holy, holy brother holy. sister, aka side hug. <laughs> there are some hugs that are too and they are too long, you know. But but seriously speaking, I, I actually some people say, ah, the Bible doesn't say it. No, it says it. If you read the book, if you read Songs of Solomon, remember it's a, it's a poetic love book that is sexually charged. It is trying to lead you to sex. That's what it's trying to do. But it says that, <laughs> some people are like, some guys are like, I'm getting lucky tonight. Let's yeah. <laughs> pay your title after you know. <laughs> All right, but notice what it's showing. It's showing that I think the mistake we make is we make this thing so binary. Does the Bible permit sex before marriage or not? That's not the right question to ask. Does the Bible permit sexual activity or not before marriage? So um, conjugal sex, right, is the culmination. You know what I mean by conjugal sex? Coitus. You know what I mean? Penetrative sex. Penetrative. <laughs> understand you before. But now we are now understanding you. You understood me. All right. So penetrative sex is the culmination, but it's not like you jump from I'm not doing, I'm not sexually active, and where we just jumped into it. Right? The, I couldn't get into it, but there are lots of suggestions on, on in that particular text of oral sex. Um, obviously, you can even see the issue of, um, of the breasts there. He speaks about fondling and all of those things. So it's telling you that all of these activities, and I think in verse 8 of chapter 1, if I'm not mistaken, it speaks about kissing there. So it's telling you that all of these things are in the realm of sexual activity that is heading somewhere. So I said in single Lagos last year, I said, those who say, no, uh, it's not, it's, the kissing is just the kissing. I said, for most guys, where you are kissing, is your hand inside your pocket? So, and if you are doing that, you are restraining. If you are restraining, you are really holding it back. Why? The hands, the, once you start kissing with the mouth, the hand says, I am meant to be busy. It, the hand wants to put, it wants to latch onto something. Why? It's trying to go somewhere. And once the hands latch onto what they want to latch onto, then all of a sudden the clothes don't want to stay on top of you again. In other words, it's a journey. And that journey involves several steps. Each of those is sexual activity. Kissing is a sexual activity. It is. 
So that is what is not allowed before. Now, if you tell me hugging, now you can have signs of affection that are not, that are not generically sexual. Now, some of you may have problems, right? Like I remember there was one show in the 90s, Ali McBeal. I don't know anyone. Did anyone watch Ali McBeal? And there was this guy there, his, his most sexual activity was, you know, lady, he'll just, like, he'll just be coming, he'll just come, touch your throat, and then smell it. That guy has problems. <laughs> All right? So if you're the kind of person that just hugging is causing problems, hugging is not the problem. You are the problem. So stop hugging if that is giving you, if that is sexually arousing. But I don't think, I think hugging, holding of hands, putting hand around necks, those kinds of signs of affection are fine. But even with those, be careful because sometimes your relationship gets to the point where, and this is why I think long relationships are not very good. You know, especially when you are living in the same city, you need to be able to be definitive quickly. I, I can't put a, I can't put a, I can't put a time to it, but I would say, let's say you are living in the same city. Let's say you see each other regularly, three, four times every week. Please, if you if you know you are meant to get married, you guys decide and seek marriage counseling and get it done between a year and eight, eighteen months. Because most likely, and almost virtually everyone I've spoken to that don't, they always somehow fail morally. They always do. They don't know when they found themselves. The friends went out, all of those kind of things. My point being is because that's where you're heading. When you started dating, that's where you're heading. Your body, naturally, rightly so, wants that other person. So when you keep it for too long, it becomes a problem. So I'm saying even with signs of affection, once your sexual arousal is getting heightened. Even those ones, self, if you're not careful, they can start um, hitting you. But please, don't see those boundaries as saying sexual activity or sex is bad. It's not. It's saying put the thing, right things in place so that you can fulfill this longing. Thank you very much, Pastor. So we are going to take questions from the floor. Okay, we have one question, two. two. Okay. Okay, um, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Okay, so my question is, how do you, in the, I came, I came in late, I came in second talk, so how do you deal with or, or respond to somebody that, that is, if you are in a relationship, somebody that is easy to please, so when you were talking about um, intimacy and all those things, somebody that uh, small, small words of affirmation, person is okay, do you want this? So what I mean is whether you do or you do not, the person is just chilled, like just fine. And then you don't want to get in a situation where you are lax. So whether I cook or not, it's fine. Whether I do this or not, the person is okay. But then you get in a situation where, okay, I, I don't really do anything again, but we are just okay. So how do you deal with it and then you are not sure, are we still there? Are we, but you are chilled, you are just okay. So how do you manage that kind of um, relationship? Hi, uh, good um, evening. Uh, sorry, after I've been there's someone behind you. All right, so. Uh, okay, two first. We'll come back and then, okay. Two quick questions. The first one, it was on like the discouragement um, line. What's the balance between discouragement and sincerity? 
So, for example, uh, one spouse has a particular problem, an issue, right? So the other spouse doesn't want to mention, shouldn't mention it because it might be discouraging, right? Yeah. But then you do mention it and there isn't much of a change. Is it that, okay, just pray about it or mention it? Like, what's that balance of you're trying to point this out, but you're not trying to be discouraging to the person? Mm. So second question being, you know, the whole talk, I think it's the context of this talk really working is when both spouses are actually practicing these things. So, like, when we're praying about it, when one spouse is actually actively trying and the other spouse isn't reciprocating, yeah. and maybe it's reciprocating negatively, yeah. what, how, do we, how do the couples, you know, those of us that are not married, we don't know, but how do they... Have, <laughs> I was thinking, praise correct, like, you have a wife in a boy, right? <laughs> this one that we don't be seeing you. <laughs> yeah, you know, my friend, it seems too... Yeah, yeah, experiential. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Is it also the, the same, let's just pray about it, mm. or like, what's the resolution for that? Yeah. Okay. Um, Pastor, please, I just yes. put a bit of... Spin on that. Yeah, spin, spin on that, because I was thinking about that as well. There are times where, you know, sometimes you get to a point that you're like, irrespective of whatever this person is doing, I'm going what's to be complete and holy myself, mm. right? I know that I've had that personal... Um, experience before where you know when we got married myself and Femi you know every day you're not loving you don't talk you don't you know you don't say these things and you know he's somewhere out there he's somewhere uh -uh. <laughs> sorry you know he's somewhere out there you know perhaps talking about me and saying all that but he doesn't say it to my yeah. face you know and all that you know um, you know so it got to a point where I was like okay you know what I'm going to be whole and accepting within my own self, mm. right? And whether you say it or you don't say it, it's not going to affect my relationship with you. I will become indifferent to it because I will say to myself that I am beautiful. I will say to myself that, you know, I will appreciate myself and I will get my esteem from my own self, irrespective of you. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that when I did that, we had less fights. Right? Mm -hmm. Because one of the problems we had was that every time I'll be like, you're not appreciating me enough, I've made my hair, you've not said anything, you are blah, 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 you know, I don't feel attractive to you, all sorts of things, right? And then it will spin and then get out of hand. But then it got to a point where I just said, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to find solace in myself. And I then realized that that sort of like reduced a lot of the quarrels and fights we had. And that after a while, he started responding the way I wanted him to respond, because I, I wasn't complaining anymore. But I had found confidence in myself, such that whether I said it or not, I really didn't give a toss anymore. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. You know. So in that case, my question is: Is that something that is healthy? So, but I realized that going back made him. Maybe he wasn't pressured anymore, and he was just saying it, you know, out of love, because he did improve when I stopped complaining about it, right? But is it actually? a good way to just say, you know what, I'm just going to be indifferent to you and mm. I'm going to be happy irrespective of whatever it is you're mm. doing. Well. <laughs> this is marriage in Lagos, so it's not single. We are just allowing you. So in that context, you're saying that they think that 
you wanted him to do that he wasn't doing. But that's different from him doing things to antagonize you. So that is a different one. So she's adding. Okay, please. I'm out, I'm just... So that, so that okay. your own will be answered, if I remember. <laughs> and also, if the person is trying to antagonize you, like, how do you deal with that? So the, your first one was, it's, the person is not, this, your second question is, the person is not reciprocating that, the one, one, or is reciprocating negatively? All right. That was the second question. The first was what? Yes, yes, and then yours was, if I get indifferent, and then Ibukun's own was a chilled person. Let's start with Ibukun's own. Yeah, you know, human beings, we are, we are different. That's, that's the mystery of marriage, is that um, when we try and do marriage counseling in, in church, what we try to say is that there are two approaches that generally are out there. There's a textbook approach, which basically fits everybody into one box, right? This is what the Bible says, learn this, learn that, learn that. And I've seen that that approach, people just want to answer the questions and then move on. But it's not really, it's not really addressing their own particular issue. And then there's the other aspect where they say, go and spend time with this, 20, this couple of 20 years. There's no real doctrinal foundation. It's just, hey, don't do this one, no, hey. Men are always like this. So men, you know, it's all experience, no doctrine. Whereas what we try to do is to say there's a certain framework Let's put that framework there, but then let's listen to the people who are in front of us so that the council deals with their own particular sin issues and things like that. So to the question, it is true, there are some people who are, if you like, mild-mannered just, just that way. They are not overly demanding in what they want. But I think what we want to be careful with, and this is going to touch on one of these other questions, is sometimes the absence of uh, war does not mean necessarily that you are flourishing. It's not really peace. Peace is there to make flourishing. So you, absence of war can just be quietness. And as you said, part of what can then happen is that you take the person for granted. Now let's not forget that marriage is basically a, an, act of, it's, it's, um, it's an act of formation. Remember as Christians, we only have one call. There's only one call that every Christian is called to one purpose, what? To be conformed to the image of Christ. But it is all things that God puts in our life to conform us to the image of Christ. So marriage is one of them. Once you pause in responding rightly as you ought to, because it seems like this person is static, what happens is that your formation into the image of Christ is not ongoing. In other words, there is a part, there are two parts. There is, you are, there is the part of you responding, but there's the part of you dutifully doing what you are meant to do. In both aspects, you are being formed. Now, of course, you need to respond to what the person is doing to you, yes, but there's the aspect of which I am called to serve this person like this. I am called to love this person like this, irrespective of how they are responding. And so if you like, put it in a selfish way, I'm going to do all of that so that I can be conformed to the image of Christ. You see what I mean? So I'll say don't take the person for granted. Don't forget that there's actually something that is being done to you. And so you must push against the complacency. Because one day, one day, that person that you think is so mild-mannered, you think it's just building up. It's just building up, and it's just building up. And it can explode one day. All right? Obina, um, how do you balance sincerity and that doesn't, it doesn't cross into 
being overly critical and then causing discouragement. Not easy. Not easy. Again, back to different kinds of people in marriage. Somehow, people get paired in such a way that one of them is more analytical and more critical, and one is more withdrawn and more um, defensive. Somehow, there's, most times people, want, one has more of that. And so if you are that kind of person, like another, one of the things that helps for success in marriage, intimacy and all of that is self-awareness. When we pray for humility, that's what I always like to say that the prerequisite for humility is self-awareness. You have to know who you are first. And by that, really, not just knowing what you are good at, what you are not very good at. So if you know that my tendency, my tendency is to always try and point out what is correct. Then can I say, let me, let me back up and say something. If I see 10 things are wrong in a relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's at work, I see somebody who is wrong 10 times. And I correct them 10 times. What I corrected them in, each of those 10 times, I'm correct, right? Each of those 10 times, I was correct 10 times in a row. But actually, as a whole, I may not be correct in how I'm building a relationship with that person. Do you get the point? There's a sense in which you can judge each particular thing there. I'm corrected, I'm corrected, I'm corrected, I'm corrected. But as a whole, there is another message. That is, there is more... The, the, sum, the sum of the parts is more than, uh, the whole is more than the sum of the parts. It's not just, I, I, I corrected you 10 times now, and you did the right thing 10 times. No, at some point, you are communicating to that person, you are never good enough. And so to effectively get people to change in a way that does not make you seem like you are overcritical, affirmation matters. Look for something to affirm them in. So that the overall position is not you who is never good enough and you have to always be living for my own standard. And if you then tell me, I never find anything good, 99% of the time I'm going to say then you have a problem. 99% of the time. If you cannot find anything good, especially if the person is a Christian. Like really, the Holy Spirit is not doing anything in this person's life at all. So then uh, the point is that you are the kind of person who you, you are stimulated, you're only stimulated by wrongdoings that you need to, that you need to control, uh, to, by, wrong, uh, by wrong things that you need to correct. In other words, you have an idol of control. So at that point, I'm less worried about you trying to correct the person. I'm more concerned about you correcting yourself. So self-awareness, if I have the tendency to overly correct, I need to dial that back. If you don't correct on everything, nothing is going, is going to happen to the person. My own marriage, that was, it was something that is very similar to what, uh, in, in, in another way to what Itunu was saying. It took me five years to learn it. it took me five years. And the point was, ah, I'm being, I'm being loving because I'm being truthful. I'm letting her know. But it was actually having the other effect. In fact, at some point, it was more like, oh, you think you know everything. OK, I'm not doing it. I don't agree with you. Then I asked, why don't you agree with me? I'm not saying it. I'm not, I don't care. <laughs> like, ah, talk back. It wasn't having the right effect. And when I changed and saw, look, I'm more concerned about God changing this person and this person lasting. It moved me to prayer. It moved me to affirm more so that I earned the right 
to be able to correct and she was going to listen. And that was much more effective than the other. So self-awareness, are you that kind of person? But at the same time, what are you trying to aim at? Are you trying to aim at the person changing or are just trying to aim at you talking? One of them, you will talk, but that doesn't mean the person will change. So I say you balance sincerity, right? Um, and don't allow it to get into discouragement because that is not frequently the thing that you're always doing. Sometimes you do have to let things go. Yes, you don't think the person is doing the right thing. Sometimes you have to let things go. You have to have the self-control to show restraint. Nothing is going to happen. But more likely, what is going to happen is you've earned the right to be able to speak into that person's life. So the person will say, yeah, he, has not been, he doesn't criticize me all the time. I think I should listen to this. All right? The other one is, um, and this one is a very, very, very difficult one. This, this is the one where when I counsel people, the thing I'm always praying about is, God, give me the ability to, uh, to, to, to speak the word to this person that makes them still hang on. That is, when you keep trying and there is no reciprocal action, and then worse off, the person is responding in a negative way. Now, because marriage is sacred, because the design of marriage was permanence, because you are meant to work through things, these things are expected. And so we always have to fight to allow these people to have hope, to continue to pray, to strive, to turn things around. I would say this because I think the Bible allows for this. When you have somebody who is trying, when you have somebody who is godly for years doing the right thing so that this person turns around, but... The person turns back and gives the person negatively, like the person reacts negatively, consistently, over a period of time. You know what the Bible says about that? That person is showing that their heart is hard. And then God says, is that reason, Jesus said, is that reason that God, that uh, he gave Moses the, the ability for them to divorce? You, you understand? And so that is there. I, I can't lie because... Abuse comes in many forms. And so we can't just say, oh, you just, just slug it out, slug it out. If it's been consistent, this person is not a shadow of themselves. This person is not coming up. We are not seeing this other person with any chance of turning around. This person consistently discourages, abuses that other person. Then at some point, you have to pull back. But if it's not necessarily that they're coming with abuse, it is neglect, maybe the other person also feels aggrieved and all of those things, I would then say this requires a lot more intervention one of the first things I would advocate is, can we get a good marriage counselor? You understand? So it's not, there's no easy answer to that. Most of the time in those kind of situations, there's no magic answer to it. Uh, so, so that's what I'll say. And then finally, Tunu, um, I would say one size doesn't fit all. Um, this is why, again, in marriage counseling, and for some of us who will be involved, and I hope as our marriages get better, you'll be able to um, speak to other people's lives. Be careful how you don't use the uh, cookie-cutter approach. Um, this is what worked for my marriage, so automatically it's going to work for these other people, this one. It's not necessary. So listen. The best marriage counselors are people who listen first, who understand what is actually going on here. So maybe Ituno is, in this situ in, in the, is, is strong enough to be able to say, I am going to look for my own inner self-worth and not depend on this person is possible. And I would even say, I want to advocate that. Why? Because we, we prayed for 
the people who are single, and we said God should allow them, even though they are longing and they have no intimacy, God should allow them for their intimacy with God to help them through it. Look, you can't sustain yourself in your marriage if your marriage is the only source of your energy. You have to have another source of energy. And so Itunu was going with a very gospel-centered approach, I would say, which is, okay, this person means so much to me, but I think I'm allowing this person's affirmation to mean everything to me, and that's totally no. Human beings are designed to be affirmed by somebody else. It's not always, even no matter how many times we want to affirm ourselves, it's not always sufficient. But if we affirm ourselves in that God has affirmed us in Christ, that is the foundation. So that when you are not getting what you are trying to get, you can always look to God to define you, not your mind to define you. Having said that, your marriage still is important. And so even if you are not going to take this approach, you can look for other ways to let the person know. Because ladies and guys, can I be honest? Nagging is one of the most ineffective ways of getting what you want. Like when you, you know what nagging is, right? It's not just asking. It's, it's asking in a way that eventually pushes the person to say, you will never get this thing. Like, stop. Nagging doesn't get you anywhere. Now, you can be persistent in the way you ask without nagging. That's one. Two, use a different approach. Don't ask this thing. Look for another, another way to do it. Three, you can reach out to somebody that has influence in the person's life. There are different ways of doing it. But four, if the person still doesn't, you can take this approach. Five, if it is piling on, piling on, piling on, then you need to see somebody. So I'm, I'm on the one hand, affirming this. I'm actually saying every Christian needs that. That is your main source of energy. But for some people, even with that, we still want to. Your marriage may, the quarrels may not be there, but that doesn't mean flourishing is there. So we are aiming, you get rid of the quarrels, but we need to be moving in a direction of flourishing. And so it's not enough to not just quarrel. We want to do more than that. We want to grow closer together so that we can be on mission together. Thank you very much. Pastor, let's take okay, I have a question here, and whoever uh, wrote it should listen so maybe they can clarify. Is there a concept of never 50-50 or 100-100 uh, spouses need uh, maybe to consider on a project? I know that sounds... Um, any, they, who, who wrote that question? I think it sounds like... The person like may not want to volunteer. Sorry? The person may not want to volunteer. volunteer. It so almost sounds like um, decision-making... Do we need to, you know, do we need to go 50-50 on a project? We're trying to decide how to do things. What I didn't get was the 100-100. Is there a concept of never? Can you? Sorry. Just try. You may help us. Okay, I don't think the person is going to volunteer themselves. Yeah. You know, there's this thing that we talk about in marriage that you don't think about it as 50-50. You just give it your all. So it's like you bring everything. Don't just bring half and expect the other person to bring half. Like We're not just talking about money, right? Yeah, like emotions, commitments, everything. Mm. Just like be fully present, not halfway. Don't there. hold some back. Yeah, don't hold, don't hold something back. back. Yeah, I don't That's a good question. Femi, Femi has some adi an addition. Something like that before. Hold on. I think maybe what the person is saying is sometimes we do this in marriage or in relationships where um, I've come to your house five times. Mm. You've only come to my house three times. So I'm not coming again. 
Do you understand? Now, it's very easy to do that in marriage where... In relationship. That, I can understand that in relationship. So now in marriage... In marriage, we always... Eat. We always watch the movies that you know. Uh, <laughs> I can list many movies. <laughs> I now understand. Like <laughs> right, but stuff like that, like um, how I think sometimes people measure the amount of effort I've given you versus the amount of effort you've given me. Mm. Right, and it gets petty. I've called you, you didn't call me back. And then somebody says, "So you are keeping record." <laughs> Yeah, and then in that case, is it always, there was something I watched on TV one time that they said, a couple said it's never, um, it's never the same. Sometimes it's 60 by the man, 40 by the woman, sometimes it's 30 and 70. And you know, when you think about it, sometimes um, people have different stages in their lives mm -hmm. also where maybe they are not able to commit fully to the, the, the marriage. So for example, when my husband was building his business, I never saw him, he was very cranky, he was terrible to be with. You know, it was, you know, it was crazy at the time, you know. But now he has hammered. Well, you know, it's this, we are still in progress. It's ah, a work well. in progress, you know. But yeah, but you know, there are some times that people are under yeah. pressure. They want to pass do an exam yeah. and they're just not available. Mm -hmm. And at that time, somebody else is, you know. So Carrying the is load. There, yeah, perhaps. So is there any time that is So I would, I would say this is an addition. Mm -hmm. So let's take the, the first one, if I'm understanding it. I want to go a bit deeper. Why does pettiness come? It's, fun. it's not about the record. You know why all this record keeping happens? And, you know, let me put my hand up. I have done record keeping. Like, <laughs> all right, the last time, shall I'm just saying. It's not like, <laughs> but the la uh, after a while, you know, like, really? <laughs> one, two, three, four, five was my own. Six was yours. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, I'm just saying. The reason why pettiness comes in is when there's a lack of trust. When there's no lack of, when, when I believe that this person on this particular issue is looking out for me and not looking out for themselves first, I won't become petty. But let's not be naive. Out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. What happens with record keeping, especially when you are cheating the person, is that it's not that the person kept one, uh, record one, record two, record three. It's just that somehow, intuitively, it's like, wait a minute. I find that I am, I am not actually being served here. Like, all the time it is you that is getting this thing. And so for some people, when they put it that way, when, they, when you say, I feel that you are being selfish, the next thing you are going to ask is, how can you say I'm being selfish? Then you have to say, exhibit A. <laughs> like, you can't just throw out some statements without, in some sense, backing it up. And what the person is then trying to communicate is that, I don't think I've seen enough from you in this particular issue, this person is do, doing this genuinely. I don't think I've seen enough from you on this particular issue over a period of time that gives me reason to trust you. It's like some um, a lady who told me about her husband, and she says, I can't remember the last time this guy said anything nice to affirm me about my beauty. Now, is she being just petty? Is she just keeping records? No, the point is that he hasn't actually logged is register, and so it's just so obvious, and she has to explain. So I actually think there's a right part of that. It can become unhealthy when you are literally trying to always keep it equal. We have done 10, and we have done nine. It's five, four, it's your turn now. You understand? Ah, it's time to pray. And you, you, I led the last time. 
it's your own turn to lead. You know when you're fighting over who's turn is to pray? So say that all the time. Everybody did like, is prayer a punishment? <laughs> you know, like, so sometimes it can, it can descend into that. But I would say, let's not be naive. Sometimes it is the person bringing evidence of a sense in which they don't feel love. Look, if somebody, if you are, they said in love, the Bible says in love, we should do what? I'll do one another. If it is so obvious that you are, do, are doing the other person in love, they will not be, there's this issue of bringing out the record will not happen. But if you are looking out for yourself more often than not, over a period of time, and the person gives you an exhibit, don't say now you are being petty. That's even being unfair. But um, to, to, to your own, yes, I agree. Again, marriage, marriage, the way marriage works is more art than in science. It's less, it's less, it's, it's analogical rather than like an equation, you know? And we have to be very careful with that. We have to be always remember people are different. Then sometimes people are in different stages. If at some point, you, both of you as a couple, you have agreed this person is going to write this exam. And then you come back home and the person is reading. And you say, where's my food? You are a wicked person. <laughs> what you should be doing, really guy, what you should be doing is on your way back, you should call and say, what do you want to eat? I want to buy something here. You understand? Now, it's not good, to, uh, except the person is, a, is an abject failure. They won't be continuing, they won't be writing exams over and over and over again. <laughs> like some of you that have been writing ACCA since. Don't worry. <laughs> this mountain shall be moved. All right? Yeah. But, so we should respect different stages in people's lives. And part of what you want to do as a spouse is lovingly be there to cover the gap for your spouse. Um, my spouse is undergoing training now. Or my spouse is, is just is a little bit ill now. You know, those are times where you have to take the take, you know, take the um, extra extra load for them. So there's one question here about friendship and intimacy. To summarize, um, it's, it's people often say to their of their married friends, I know if I tell you this, your husband or wife will hear. What's the place of privacy, wisdom, being or being discreet? with friends' information as one cultivates intimacy and disclosure with their spouse? All right, so two things. Uh, there's a condition here. First of all, please be as close to your spouse as possible, as I tried to put it there. Be as close to your spouse as possible. If you are close to your spouse as possible, both of you have a certain level of trust. I often tell people, if you come and tell me something and say, I want to tell you something you cannot tell your wife, the first thing I'll say is stop. If, you, if I, anything that you tell me in confidence, my confidence is qualified. My confidence is always qualified. I will not go beyond um, anyone, but I will not promise, I cannot promise you that I will not discuss it with my wife. I can't, I can't. So it's better you know that right from time and then you don't share with me uh, or you know. Now, my wife, now it's not all of it I share with her, but we understand that when we are talking about something that is absolutely confidential, it stays within us. Now, if you know you don't have the kind of spouse, <laughs> you have a spouse that not only has you as a spouse, but has a BFF. <laughs> Somebody went on our trip, but, uh, I would say the person, but someone told us about how he was dating a particular person. And this person he was dating, she liked one other guy. 
and that guy had a girlfriend. So look at this. Person A is dating person B. Person B likes person C. C is dating D. But D and A are like best of, are like best of friends. So, Movie loading. So, so A told something, A told something to, A told something to B. And somehow, D had now told A. That made A know that B, B really likes C. And so A had to break it up with B. Because it went, it went around. You understand? The circle, the, the circle of life. Right? The circle of infidelity. That's what it is. Uh, so you have to also know your, the person you're in a relationship with. You have to know your spouse. I would say that, that, that if you are going to always share things with your spouse, I hope that you people can be mature enough to know that part of why we engage in these confidential things is that it builds up our relationship. The one thing I don't always tell my wife is maybe there are certain church matters, certain things I'm dealing with, with specific people in church. Yeah, now, those ones are, that's, that's different. Um, but even with that, I cannot say that I'm sworn to secrecy on anything beforehand. No, I'm not. What I'm sworn to is that I'm always going to be open with her. I, I have the posture of being open with her. And that's just, it just created so much trust. It, it removes a lot of suspicion. It removes the fact that you are hiding something. Somebody carries your phone. Why are you checking my phone? You understand? You put security lock on your own phone, in your own house, you know, all of those kinds of things. Why do people do that? You know, you keep your bank statement away. You, that's showing that there's a fundamental lack of trust and a fundamental lack of unity. And so there are certain things we've agreed to that it's always open. It doesn't always mean that we cash the check on it, but that posture is there. So I would say that you want to be very careful that somebody else is not holding you in confidence in such a, almost a covenantal way that actually depicts a sort of division from your spouse. Um, Pastor, while we're talking about friends and BFFs, oh. right, is your spouse allowed to have another BFF outside of you, right? Whether it's male or whether it's female, right? Um, <laughs> Um, I've used a lot of personal experience, but for those that know us very well, one of the biggest problems myself and my husband had was their boyfriend, uh, I said boyfriend, his boyfriend, you know. <laughs> Thank God for Canada. And I am I'm joking. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the joke is, uh, <laughs> but is uh, thanking God. You know, but, 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 but honestly speaking, that's yes. something that a lot of people face. Yes. Because also you have to think about the fact that this person knew, they've, they've been friends for so long, they're very close, and the relationship is different, you know, and then you get married. You can't just expect that this person stops having a relationship with their best friend, you know. Even though, you had, for me, it seemed as though it was a war. I was just trying to get in there, you know. Mm -hmm. It was a time, there was a time that, you know, I found out that they were having secret lunch in the afternoon. Ah, I cried. <coughs> I said, yeah. You will not have lunch with me. Mm. You'll be having this with this, your friend. Ah, ah. You must love me. I'm the only one. But, you know, when I thought about it again, I thought, look, this person has had a relationship with this person for a long time, you know. Why do I expect him to trust me more <coughs> than he trusts somebody that he's been with for a while? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a time to build trust. But how do you relate to that? Is this something that must be done immediately? Do, you know, how, what, what would you advise on BFS? I think it's two. First of all, I agree with you. Oh, um, Evoko, all right. 
No, she said no. She said no. I agree with you. First of all, it's important to realize, for some of us who didn't know our spouses, maybe until university or after, that they weren't, life did not begin when they found you, right? There were people, there were people there that shaped that person to who they are, their mom, their, their friends, their siblings, their, their friends. And, when, and part of getting into a relationship with the person and openly marrying the person is also getting into that world. Which is why some of us, when we start dating, after you've dated for a couple of weeks, what's the first thing you do? You try to introduce them to your friends, right? Because you, you, this is part of who I am. It's not just, I don't, I, don't, I don't exist as just as an individual. I'm an individual who has been shaped by a variety of people that I need you to meet. So you need to respect that as you're coming. Don't immediately enter and start saying, who are the people I need to eliminate? When you do that, I'm not sure about this. Your jokes, (laughs) (laughs) how much of it is joke? How much of it is uh, (laughs) so you don't go in. (laughs) It's slowly dying, dying to some. So don't go in with a war mentality. We don't. These aren't people that should be against. You should be against. All right. So be, have an open heart. Just like they say that when you marry, it's, between, it's not just two people that are marrying. It's two families that are marrying. But also when you get married, it's also all of a sudden your your group of friends have just expanded. Now, you who you are introducing that to your friends or you are introducing it to your friends, also have patience. It takes a while to build the friendship. Don't just say, because my friend, you should get along immediately. And, and there are some of the friends that they won't just fully get along with, and it's fine. Let the person have the freedom to be able to know which friends they can be close to and the ones they can't be close to. Having said all of that, now let me speak to the friends. You cannot have your friend that is now married in the same way. In fact, common sense should tell you and it's your responsibility to withdraw a little bit, to allow for space. Because sometimes that jealousy is really because of you. You have allowed it. When your friend, and I'm saying this as somebody who has not always done well with this, I'm serious. Because when we have friends, friends that make you laugh, friends that you are so, you just naturally, you can talk for five hours. You just forget yourself. Like that thing I said about, escorting somebody outside. Who do you think I was talking about? I was talking about myself, right? I can sometimes, my wife will now, ah, she'll call me. I say, where are you? Uh, I'm outside, we are, ah, okay, oh. <laughs> you have a wife here, oh. you know? <laughs> what I should be doing, if that spouse is married, if that friend is married, you say, oh yeah, go. Because that shows that I don't only care for this particular friendship, I care for that marriage, and caring for that marriage is also caring for this friendship that has now been transformed. So that you are not, you don't become this surrogate, this person that you are the main person that your, 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 your friend comes to get sucker from. No, even if they're having difficulties, what you should be trying to do is to push that friend to be able to try, how do you resolve these difficulties as you're entering into this marriage? You should be the advocate for the spouse. That's what we should be doing. 
Don't try also to allow this narrative to come in. Let this person constantly come to tell you about your, their wife or their husband. And you say, it's true. It's true that your husband is very difficult. It's true. So that you can preserve this relationship. This is the key one. No. You should be the one having the advocate. But you too, you know you are a little bit like this. But you too, you know you are a little bit like this. So I would say it is both parties. When somebody gets married, their marriage should have a certain heightened exclusivity that should sub it should it should relativize yours. That should be the focal point of their human relationships. And things like friendships, BFFs, all of those things should revolve around that. Do we understand that? And so you should be, if you are the friend, you should be an agent in trying to ensure that that reconfiguration happens well. Amen? Do we have more questions from Flo? Anybody? One more. OK, one more. Well, I think you've answered this. It's just the last question. It says, at what point can a partner in a marriage decide that trust can no longer be fully rebuilt? I think you touched yeah, on it. Yeah. Bit, it's hard, but I would say involve others. Don't just do it your own. And don't, yes, and be careful when you are involving others. You know the people that will just go straight to Malachi too? You know, they never listen to you. They never actually listen to you, the pain. Apart from the fact that they are, they are misunderstanding Malachi too, the fact that God hates something doesn't mean doesn't permit it. Um, it's just saying that this is a tragic situation. The end of every marriage is always tragic. The Bible never says to a party after you've, end, after you've ended. The reason why you end a marriage is because you are trying to, you are substituting a lesser evil for a greater evil. That's what. So be careful that you don't have people who are too ideological and dogmatic in their beliefs on something so that they don't hear anything. But also be very careful about trigger-happy people. People who, because they too have been divorced, they are very quickly they're trying to get you out of the door as well. So you want to have people who are mature, people who are knowledgeable, and people who you feel would give you the right counsel, wise counsel. And maybe you have two or three of those. And also, not, if you have the kind of person that every time you go to them to talk about your problems, they too are trying to say, well, it's true, terrible man, terrible woman. Then you know that's possibly not. Look for somebody who is trying to inspire you. Now, but at the same time, the person might inspire you, but then when the person is then saying it's true, this thing is really bad, the person actually explains why. And so that's, I would say, don't take that decision uni um, unilaterally. It, it's not right. But also, finally, on this trust. Trust is something that is so important, can elude us, but I think the Bible calls us to fight for it. And you know, the design of marriage, the design that has been permanent, the design that God makes this commitment in such a way that he is also involved and that he's able to form these two people together despite so many obstacles so that they can be on mission. Don't forget the design was not for them to be apart. And so sometimes when the trust is lacking, ask yourself, what can I do? What else can I do? Sometimes what else can you do is not what else you can do is by bringing in other people to help you counsel. So I would say involve others. Don't be too quick. Don't be trigger happy about it. But I would say also that that doesn't mean that there are not times when it's not it's easy reconciliable. When you have an unrepentant person who doesn't ever take ownership of their own faults, and if you are also that kind of person, yes, it may be very difficult. But there's always hope to bring us back and to restore us.
Amen. Amen.